When I first started researching authenticity and reflecting on my own experience of what it means to be true to the self, I really struggled with the idea of how authenticity is often portrayed. More specifically, I struggled when people would say, so-and-so is authentic, or so-and-so is not authentic. What does that really mean? That was the underlying question that seemed to always stir my mind a bit. And in research articles, there are often different schools of thought. Authenticity is black and white, or authenticity is shades of gray. Take a moment and think about your experience for a second. When you think about authenticity, is it either or, yes, no, or does it depend? I want to use this episode to explore this in more detail. I don't want to get overly philosophical because my hope here is that whatever I share with you on this podcast or in workshops is practical. Oftentimes, the intersection of theory and practice appear like opposites, and the theory becomes a crazy complex idea that's really, really hard to explain. My goal is the opposite. I want to simplify concepts in a way that not only makes them easy to understand, but makes them easy to implement in your life. Let's go back to episode two, where I define individual authenticity as the relationship between one's own thoughts, values, and beliefs, and subsequent actions and behaviors. As an observer of someone else, we see the outcome or the actions and behaviors of them. I mentioned before that as observers, we don't have a lens into a person's thoughts, values, or beliefs unless they choose to share that with us. So in one moment of observation, can I make a judgment on whether someone is being authentic or not? Sure I can. But as I mentioned before, that judgment is based on my own internal thoughts, values, and beliefs, not necessarily that of the person I'm observing. What I end up assessing is whether the person's actions or behaviors are in alignment with me, i.e., I'm determining whether their actions or behaviors are authentic to me. Now, let's change the scenario a bit. Let's say the person I'm observing shares their own thoughts, values, and beliefs. Then I have a more full picture to do an evaluation. However, the big question is, can I truly tell you whether a person is authentic or not? And if I believe I can, are there different levels of authenticity? Let's talk about emotions, or really anything that we experience. It's always perceived and evaluated by us on some level of magnitude. I feel angry, or I feel joy. Well, how angry am I? How joyful am I? Am I so angry that I could punch a wall? Well, let me flip that. As you listen to this, I don't want to stir up any type of negative emotions or things that don't feel good. So I'll reframe it. Am I so joyful that I can sing? or so joyful that I want to hug everyone around me. How joyful am I? My argument is that those emotions and experiences are always relative. So how I experience joy is relative to how I've experienced joy or other emotions in the past. And though we try our best to use common language, I believe, and it's only my belief, the actual experience and perception of that experience is unique to all of us. Authenticity is no different. The magnitude by which someone feels higher or lower levels of authenticity is unique to them and how they are experiencing themselves in the context that they find themselves in. When we ask the question, is so-and-so authentic, the answer is always yes. Because the relationship between our thoughts, values, and beliefs and our actions and behaviors are always interacting, even if we aren't doing anything. By default of one quote-unquote being, they are authentic, and it's all a matter up to what degree. What I found through my research is that leaders who are experiencing higher levels of authenticity actually demonstrated certain characteristics. They felt true to themselves. They had higher levels of acceptance and a willingness to be transparent and vulnerable with others. 
On the contrary, when leaders felt lower levels of authenticity, they felt drained of energy and operated through filters, sort of censoring what they would share with and with whom. There was a sense of self-preservation and almost hiding. I envision higher levels of authenticity as being able to exist in a way that's less egocentric and being so in line with yourself that the greater good of all becomes the real focal point. With lower levels of authenticity, the ego is not only front and center and the star of the show, but it can also be very fragile. When I started to wake up or move into a different level of awareness, friends of mine would ask how my experience with life had changed. Besides not being so focused on what everyone else thought of me, which is really what I think of me, the emotional highs and lows were not nearly as extreme. I found that when my ego was really temperamental, the highs were really high and the lows were really low. Now, for the most part, experiences are just experiences. And yes, I get triggered, I get excited, angry, and even sad from time to time. But my recognition and awareness of the emotions doesn't knock me off balance. And the experience of them never lasts for too long because I'm always jumping into the next set of experiences. Isn't that what we're all doing in our day-to-day -day life? It's just a matter of being aware of what we're experiencing and recognizing where we're putting our attention. Am I still paying attention to being really angry after a conversation with a coworker? Or am I moving on from that experience and finding joy and celebrating one of my nieces at their birthday party? This has been the shift in my awareness. In general, I feel more authentic now than I did several years ago. It's not a matter of I'm authentic now and I wasn't authentic then, though I might not really be able to relate to who I was several years ago because I've really changed that much. In general, I've moved to a new place on the continuum. I say in general because you'll continually hear me say that authenticity is context specific. How we feel often changes with our role and the environment. Many times with authenticity, we see this sort of absolute assignment. Politics is a great example of this. In full disclaimer, I'm not interested in any form of politics, but I'll share my perspective through this lens because I think many people relate to the current political environment in the US and the world. We use labels such as Democratic or Republican to characterize one's political ideology. That ideology is rooted in a core set of beliefs. Sometimes, actually often, we stereotype people based on an assignment of a belief. What I mean by that is that we often label people to an entire ideology based on only one aspect of what it means to be a part of that group. For example, if someone supports or believes in one particular direction or decision that is endorsed by Donald Trump, some might label that individual Trump supporter. However, isn't it entirely possible that that individual only supports Trump on that one subject matter? It is possible that the individual's core beliefs that differ from everything else that Trump believes in. And I'm sharing this example because I'm aware that Trump has been a polarizing figure for many people, but it's important to highlight that a person expressing who they are and how they're viewed isn't absolute on any level. It's all shades of gray all the time. Authenticity can be understood in a similar way. It's all about shades of gray. In this political example, it describes the authenticity continuum on the level of collective authenticity. My second definition of authenticity. This is all about the relationship between shared thoughts, values, and beliefs and subsequent actions and behaviors. Collective authenticity is rooted in conformity. We see this all the time in group dynamics, especially in areas like politics, race, and even gender. 
When I think about the fluidity of all of these areas, it's a reminder that it's all shades of gray. Speaking of shades of gray in the authenticity continuum, I remember being in middle school, around seventh grade or so. I was a pretty quiet teen, overweight, in honors classes, sort of a nerdy type. I liked video games, basketball cards, and bowling. I was a really great bowler, by the way. One spring day of that year, I remember getting on the bus, and there was this one particular Black kid named Marvin who sort of ruled the back of the bus, if you will. And this particular morning, I wore a pair of Umbro soccer shorts. And to me, all of my friends outside the neighborhood played soccer, and I thought the shorts were pretty cool. As I got on the bus and made my way towards the back, Marvin made a comment to me about wearing, quote-unquote, white boy shorts. And he went on to say that I, quote-unquote, talked white. All of that, in conjunction with me having lighter skin, led to the comment of, you're not really Black. In that moment, none of those comments were a big deal. So I dusted it off and just sort of went about my business. It wasn't a really deep emotional experience, if you will. However, even through adulthood, especially in my professional experience, I've seen these themes related to being Black enough or not being Black enough play out. And I haven't experienced this for myself for probably about 20 years, but I've been a part of conversations where people have discussed it. And this relates to collective authenticity. To be Black or associated with any other race, ethnicity, or insert your own label, means to have a relationship with an oftentimes socially constructed identity that defines what it means to be a part of that particular group. The issue that many of us face is that because membership is socially constructed, there's a level of conformity required for membership. Again, someone outside of yourself is determining whether you belong or not. Think about it. How effed up is that? (laughs) The biggest problem is we do this all the time, all the time. And because of the paradox between individual and collective authenticity, we often remain in conflict within ourselves. If I have to conform to the way that someone else wants me to be, there's no freedom in that. Now, if you want to resolve yourself from any responsibility to truly live and feel the potential joy and contrast that comes with the experience of being human, then I guess that could be freeing for some. Actually, the more I think about it, it's not freedom on any level. The giving up of one's power is the opposite of freedom. It's being controlled. All right, let me get off my soapbox. I'm so passionate about this because this is such a huge part of the route to much suffering and our internal struggle as human beings. Here's the most important thing that I'm going to share with you today. No matter what lens of authenticity you are viewing through, individual or collective, the one lens that truly matters the most is individual authenticity. These lenses are often in conflict. One of them, individual, is anchored in the freedom to be who I want to be. The other, collective, is anchored in the freedom to be what someone else wants me to be. However, our perception of the context, including the groups that we're part of, is shaped by how we view ourselves first. At the absolute highest levels of authenticity is a level of freedom that transcends context. That is the sweetest freedom possible, to be who you are no matter where you find yourself. I don't know if there's an idea that sounds more beautiful to me. So individual authenticity is the most transformational and powerful lens of authenticity because everything else flows from there. You are, we are, I am. All authentic, all the time. I hope you enjoy the episode. Until next time, 
I am, I am, I am, I am, I am.